people assuming they know what their audience wants to hear, but having no proof, nothing to back it up. If you can't show me why you think your audience wants you to sell this product, we've probably not done enough research. We have no proof. And you can't just assume, well, every woman who does X wants B. We don't know that. There's no proof. And how do we know that those women are actually in your audience? Welcome to Make Bank with Marie Wold. I'm Marie. And for the last decade, I've been helping women set and hit unrealistic goals while building their definition of a rich life. This podcast is your ultimate destination for unfiltered discussions about personal development, entrepreneurship, wellness, confidence, wealth building, relationships, and so much more. We're creating our dream lives together, and I'm so glad you're here. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. I am so stoked you're here today because I just have a feeling that this conversation is going to get spicy. Me and our special guests have been talking and we just think that it's going to get pretty spicy. So I'm stoked to talk all things marketing, sales, business, and really how all of those things are mirrored in life as well. Something I'll talk about in a couple minutes is just how even if you're not an entrepreneur, I have a feeling everything we're going to talk about today is going to serve everyone. So today we have my dear friend and team member and extraordinaire, Kaylee Meyer, who is a sales copywriter and marketing educator who's currently living the desert life with her two dogs, one cat and boyfriend, Evan. After a few years in corporate magazine, editorial and finance, she started Copy by Kaylee and has been whipping up high converting words for badass women leading their industries ever since. Like I said, I've hired Kaylee for some bomb projects projects myself and her work is just chef's kiss. She really knows her shit and I also just love her as a general human being and we really get each other. So I'm so stoked for you to meet her. Take a shot every time I said stoked in the intro, but without further ado, <laughs> hey Kaylee, how are you? Hey Marie, I'm good. I'm so excited to be here too. A little full circle moment. I was talking about this on my Instagram the other day. When I first got Instagram, like way back when, I was really into the fitness world. And I remember finding you and thinking it was so cool that you were a Midwestern girl too, because I'm from Iowa and you're from Minnesota. And then I kind of fell off the fitness train when I joined the adult world after college. So it's so fun, such a full circle thing to connect both of us when we've kind of not left fitness, but kind of shifted out of that space a little bit and really found a new thing that we love to connect on this is just, it's been really cool. So I'm super excited to be here. So full circle. I love it. And I'm excited for all of my people to meet you. Cause like I said, we've been working together for a while. I've now followed you back for quite some time. And now I get to introduce you to a lot more of my friends. So this is great. So we have a lot of current or aspiring entrepreneurs that listen to this show, but then we also have a ton of just self-growth junkies who aren't in the entrepreneurship world. And I know this episode is really going to bring value for both people. So before we talk more about your story and get into the nitty gritty stuff, I just want to jam on something real quick, like a quick thought, if that's cool with you. Let's do it. Okay, so I've been extra in my feels about the idea that everything is everything lately. Like everything is everything. That's all I have to say. I don't need to go further than that. And I've been thinking a lot about how sales and all of the sales principles and emotional intelligence and sales psychology is present in life in general lately, not just in the businessy conventional sense. So I was wondering, do you have thoughts on that? Do you agree? 
And how do you see people using that or how do you use that in your life? Yeah, definitely. I I completely see what you're saying. So when I think of marketing and sales and business, I think the number one thing is being a good communicator, understanding how to articulate value and benefits in a way that the person basically makes a no-brainer decision as opposed to them feeling like you're persuading them, right? Because consumers are just getting a lot smarter these days. They can kind of see through the old tactics that used to work. And now they really care about authenticity, honesty, visualizing what life can look like afterward. Um, And taking those skills that you use in your business and bringing them to your everyday life, relationships and friendships can be really powerful. For instance, if you're in a relationship and you're trying to state your case to move to a new state, maybe like, hey, I really want to try out the whole Dallas, Texas thing. Let's go. If you just go at it like, hey, let's move and you're not kind of backing it up with the value you see in the move and talking about here's the reasons I want to go, what I think it's going to help, how I think it's going to help our relationship, our life, what's going to add to it. That's going to be such a more powerful proposal to your human. And if you're just like, hey, I was thinking we should move to Dallas, Texas. So just being an effective communicator, also understanding um, how the person you're speaking to receives information and how they want to receive information that they can act on can be really helpful in friendships too. Even down to setting boundaries. I've seen a lot more business owners and people on Instagram speaking up about boundaries in business. And I'm hoping that there is some roll over to people setting boundaries in their everyday life as well. So I 100% agree with you. I think so many of the things that you just have to be good at, or at least decent at to run an effective, scalable, sustainable business can also just help you be a better partner, friend, human in general. Yeah. I've also seen for a lot of my clients and students, once they get better at sales, they are more likely, and I notice this myself too, like they're more likely to start asking for what they want and actually like speaking up for themselves and communicating directly more than ever before. And of course, that's going to serve you in, like you said, relationships, other careers, your living situation, like whether it's buying a house, getting a car, asking for a promotion, whatever it might be. I think sales is everything. Sales is really just about creating a win-win situation. So if you can know how to create a win-win situation when, whenever you want to get what you want, then you're good to go. 100%. I also think the flip side, the more that you understand marketing, sales, and advertising, the more informed and smart consumer you can be because you can start to see through some of the bullshit that a lot of brands do and not even in like a skeezy way, but you start to understand, oh, this major brand is putting a lot of money into their marketing, their branding, their advertising campaigns, their research. It's no wonder that I'm feeling drawn to this ad or to this campaign. Or when I read these emails, I feel so compelled to buy. And you're able to take a step back and be like, okay, do I actually align with this company? Do I actually want their product? Or do they just have killer marketing? Because once you start to catch on, you're able to kind of see through some of that. It's like that TikTok trend right now where it's like, is he hot or does he just like, well, whatever. But it's like, is it a good brand or do they just have good marketing or are they just good at selling? So funny. It's so funny because I talk about this stuff all the time and then people are like, but aren't you in marketing? Like, isn't that your job? And I'm like, yes, 100%. I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm just saying it's a fact of life. Marketing and sales 
our skills. And there are just some companies who have really mastered it. And it doesn't mean their product is any better. It just means their marketing is. So being aware of kind of helps you be a better consumer. For sure. I was actually looking at some stats the other day on female consumers specifically. And I wasn't surprised, but it's always nice to have numbers to back up like what you're noticing. And it was something like 57% of women like say that they care a lot about a brand's story and values when they're making purchase decisions. And I think that just really goes to show like how important marketing and storytelling and writing and all that is in both as a consumer and as an entrepreneur, like how important it is and what a life skill it is. So I'm so excited. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think there's definitely a ton of rollover, crossover, whatever you want to call it. And I also think just one more note on that. After you mentioned when you see your clients getting better at sales, that they get better in their daily life asking for what they want. I think it really is a comfortability thing. It can be really scary asking for things, but the more you do it, the better obviously you're going to get at it. And I think when you do it in a business sense, you feel a little bit of a buffer. It's like a less emotional, personal thing. So you get better at it in your business. And then it feels a little bit more comfortable to do it in your personal life. Okay, so I want to definitely get into a bunch of actionable takeaways and the absolute fire that I know you're going to drop on us. So can you just give us a quick rundown of how you got obsessed with marketing and using words specifically to connect with people and then ultimately convert them into paying customers? Like what is the origin story of Copy by Kaylee? Yeah, so I have always been a written word person, so much so that I was sent to a speech pathologist when I was a kid because they were like, this girl is never going to talk. She won't speak to anyone. I hated talking to people. I only wanted to talk to my dad. I don't know why, but I would write to everyone else. So I always had paper and markers on me. I wrote like my first chapter book when I was four. It was about talking vegetables who go to a zoo. Don't ask questions. I don't know, but the carrots <laughs> were hanging out with the grass. So it's just giving like, me very much like veggie tail vibes, right? That's probably yeah. where it came from. Yeah, definitely was a veggie tail family. So I always loved writing. I distinctly remember because I was a soccer player and I loved school. I did a lot of activities, but I was never the person that you would point to and be like, she's the best. She's the best. I was always just like a good soccer player and a smart kid. And the only thing I knew there was a strong chance I would be the best at in any room was writing. It was my thing I clung to. It just felt the most to me. So when I went to college, actually, I initially went for kinesiology because I also loved the world of sports, fitness, health. I stayed in that until my second year and just realized quickly, like, I don't want to be a physical therapist. I don't want to be an athletic trainer. And this path isn't going to take me anywhere else. Uh, I switched over to journalism. And actually, in my first semester, I founded Health and Wellness Magazine on campus. We had a staff of anywhere from 30 to 50, depending on like the time of year. So that taught me a lot about leadership, publishing, advertising, marketing. Obviously, we had to get a ton of funding. We had to go sell ads. It was a print magazine. So we had to deal with like printing and design and public relations. So because of that, I got an apprenticeship with Meredith Corporation. They are actually, I think the first or second largest publishing house in the US. They do like Shape Magazine, Eating Well, Better Homes and Gardens. I enjoyed the editorial side of things, but I knew it just wasn't a lifelong path for me. Somehow ended up in thought capital writing in the investment world. I was there for two years. While I was there, I knew that I would start my own thing. So I started freelancing on the side and eventually left the investment world once I was making enough money 
to pay my bills. And then full transparency, I think it's important to say this. It wasn't like a smooth transition. I definitely waitressed for a couple of months to buffer my income. It wasn't like, oh, quit my job. Now I'm making so much money writing. It wasn't like that. But I started more on the content side of things. So blogs, social, before eventually realizing I really liked sales writing and getting more into emails, sales pages, web copy, and those sorts of things. Yeah, I love it. So I'm just curious, what made you decide to, other than being able to probably charge more money, what made you decide that you wanted to really kind of niche down and focus in on writing words and writing copy that drives sales versus just writing like content? It was really an accident. So I was doing a ton of content for a lot of different people. And then one of my clients who was one of the first clients I worked with who had a decently large following, she just asked me, can you do my sales page and my sales emails? And I had no clue what that even meant. But I said yes, because I was like in a panic. I didn't want to lose this client. And I just did it. And I realized it came really naturally to me. I understood it because of my background in marketing and my background in journalism, pairing those together. And then it just pretty much never looked back. Like you said, obviously, there's more money in it. But I also think you're a little bit more involved in the people's businesses that you're partnering with, right? Because you're kind of taking over a chunk of their launch or you know, whatever they're using you for, you get to really be part of that. And I love that. Yeah, for sure. So what do you see for people who aren't familiar about the differences between content writing and copywriting? What do you see as the skills and types of expertise you need to be a good copywriter? So you definitely need to have a decent understanding of buyer psychology. You have to understand persuasion techniques, a lot of, like I said, psych, so a ton of psychology. And you just need, I don't even know how to describe it. There's just a certain type of person who just gets consumers and study all day long. But it's one of those things where if it doesn't make sense in your brain, it's probably not going to be something that you're going to very easily learn takes a lot of just watching what's going down, watching what's working, just being very aware of what you're seeing online. And it also takes being interested in it. Copywriting is not a job that if you're just bored and you don't know what to do with your life, you're going to take on copywriting and find it entertaining. Because of COVID, I've seen a ton of people decide, hey, I think I want to be a copywriter. And they give up pretty quickly because it's not easy by any means. And it's very different than content writing. Content is to entertain, inform, educate, whereas copy is to sell and persuade. Yeah, I can totally see that being the case. I think one of the things other than just being like savvy and having a finger on the pulse to be a good copywriter is also just like the emotional intelligence and probably having sales experience. Like for me, having been on hundreds, if not thousands of sales calls at this point, for example, like makes it so easy to know what words are going to convert or what objections I need to address or things like that. So I think that copywriting is such a more fine-tuned skill. Like anyone can entertain or tell a story or learn how to do that. Not that those aren't also valuable skills, but copywriting is like a special something, something. You hit it when you said emotional intelligence. And I think empathy is also really important because you have to be able to understand what the target audience is feeling, what they're struggling with, what they're desiring to be able to then say something that triggers something within their brain to view you or your client as the answer to that. Yeah, I think that's so true. So if someone is not far enough along to hire someone like you, 
and they want to learn how to get a little bit better, what are the key things that they need to focus on? Or like, do you have a checklist or something so that they can start understanding if they are doing it right or what things they need to be doing right? So I don't think there's any solidified checklist, but I definitely have a few tips that if you are tackling your own copy, you are not going to want to miss these. You're not going to want to skip over them. So first and foremost is researching the heck out of your audience. Keep like Google folder or a folder on your desktop where you're putting everything they're saying, asking for, DMing you, answering in polls, posting in your Facebook group, posting on other people's Facebook groups who sell something similar to you. This is really important because then you're going to use that language to mirror solutions back to them. So where a lot of people go wrong is they assume that they know what their audience wants and then they use language that doesn't resonate with their audience, but it makes sense to them. The best thing you can do is legitimately take the language that your audience has used with you and mirror it back to them when you're trying to sell or persuade. And that's just research that's paying attention, that's tracking, that's really caring about what your audience wants. That's number one. The second biggest thing is to really be yourself, like figure out who the heck you are and then just own that. If you go to read an email or a sales page that you've written and you're like, that doesn't sound like me, I would never say that. You miss the mark. We need to go back. People are buying from you, especially if you're an online business owner where you're the face of your brand. They're buying because they saw something in you. They enjoyed your personality, your story. They would eat something. So always make sure that your copy sounds like you. I think a lot of people overthink it. They try to be too, quote unquote, professional. Yeah. I was going to say in the business space, people think that they need to be like buttoned up and like really polished. And like, that's how they build authority when really that's not how it works. Exactly. Like if I'm on your Instagram and your captions are very conversational, relatable, fun, and then I go to read your emails or your sales page and they're a corporate-y, I'm going to be confused. I'm not going to be into it. I'm going to be able to tell you're selling. So this one kind of ties into that. Really decide and solidify your sales ethics and values, what you are willing to do to get a sale before ever selling something. So I have a lot of opinions on marketing and sales tactics. I never want people to feel like I'm saying this is wrong or right. But I do think you need to decide, are you somebody who's okay picking at someone's pain points to the point where you're going to make them feel really crappy about their situation in order for them to want to buy from you? Are you somebody who thinks that feels uncomfy and they would rather focus on pleasure points and painting a visualization of a better future because of you? Like, What are you willing to do and say in order to make a sale? And then every time you write, keep that in mind. And then obviously, the best piece of advice is to when you can, when it makes sense in your budget and in your business, Hire a professional. It's one of those things, especially if it's a big launch. It's one of those things where you can't be good at everything. That's the point. We all have different skills. So once you're able to, it's just better to hand it off to somebody who actually enjoys it, who's going to be better at it. And now it's not on your plate. Mm -hmm. I would say writing is one of my stronger points in my business, actually. And you've like audited my copy and stuff. So, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like even though writing is one of my stronger points, once I started outsourcing, especially like some sales page copy or like funnel copy or things like that, I just felt like 
more confident and solid in like actually reaching my sales goals and knowing that I'm communicating things in the way that like I'm intending to. And it makes such a big difference. So especially if you're someone who knows that writing is not your strong suit, it's going to be even more important for you to bring in an expert sooner rather than later. And there's so many ways to do that. That doesn't mean that you have to bring in a, a copywriter like on retainer on your team. It can be a lot of copywriters have like day rates or even an hourly like power hour session or things like that or you just dropped a shop full of like templates and resources like there are so many ways to work on your sales skills and specifically copywriting that don't require like thousands of dollars right off the bat too definitely yeah it's it's one of those things where you're like we all are going to want you to do it eventually but there's levels there's and you don't have to dive into like you just said the furthest level where you're dropping 10k a month to have stuff written, you can start small. Anything better than nothing. Yeah, for sure. And I think there are a few investments and like leverage points in business. And copy is one of the ones that directly impacts your ROI pretty immediately. You know what I mean? Like if you have good copy, you will sell more things. It's just like, if this, then this type of situation. (laughs) So that's what I love as well. What I use as an example for that, and I think most of the women listening to this are going to be like, oh my God, yes. When you're on Instagram or you're on Facebook and you get a clothing advertisement that comes up and you're like, holy shit, that's so cute. What is that brand? And you click it and you go to the website and you're reading the descriptions or even just the web copy. And it's so clear that English was not their first language. Like you're reading it and it's so choppy. It doesn't make sense. And you're just kind of like, oh no, SOS. Like, is this going to be one of those things where it's like in the middle of China and they're like going to send me products that are takes like two months to get to you expectation versus reality situation. Yeah. They're using, you know, child laborers. Like what's going on here. It's kind of like that. If they see you on Instagram, they're like, wow, I love her. She's so cool. She's so relatable. Let me go check out her website. And they go to your website and they're reading your copy and they're just like, what? Like, how did this happen? Like, I'm so confused. That exact same thing is going to happen to them. They might be super enthused, excited, ready to buy into your offer. And the second they read your message and something's not computing, it could be the thing that makes them just immediately click out. Right. Especially like people are smart. They know when you're trying to sell something to them. So if you are not going about it in like a personable way or an emotionally intelligent way, or if you're not communicating things in a way that like, people can easily digest and process, then you're going to have a bad time. (laughs) So I guess on that note, what do you often see people doing wrong then if we just talked about some of the things that they need to do right? People assuming they know what their audience wants to hear, but having no proof, nothing to back it up. If you can't show me why you think your audience wants you to sell this product, we've probably not done enough research. We have no proof. And you can't just assume, well, every woman who does X wants B. We don't know that. There's no proof. And how do we know that those women are actually in your audience? So that's number one. Number two is copying other people's strategies, like really just not personalizing anything, just trying to copy somebody else's voice, trying to look at somebody else's sales page and be like, oh, this is their flow. I'm just going to swap out my words and language with theirs and it's going to work. It's not. You guys have a different audience. You have a different offer. You have a different voice. It's just not going to work. Or uh, people getting really hung up on sales strategies. So the thing about Instagram is it's so great to share information, advice, to add value. It's one of the most powerful tools. I wholeheartedly believe that. It's drastically helped my business. But one issue I do see with it is 
when educators are trying to share very helpful information, especially around sales, it's to the masses. It's not personalized to that person who's reading it. And I think the people reading it need to always keep that in mind. So for instance, when people talk about FOMO and scarcity and urgency, if you're not doing that in the right way, or if it's not aligned with all the other areas of your business, it's just going to come off so inauthentic and desperate and gross. The educator sharing those tactics isn't wrong. It's just that like, if you want to learn how to make scarcity tactics work within your funnel, it's going to take a little bit more digging and customization. It's not just like start telling people that you have one offer left. And if they don't say yes today, their life is going to fall apart. Like it's just so much. It's all nuanced. And it's like all about context. And again, like the emotional intelligence, like read the room. You know what I mean? 100%. And I think obviously sales is how people are making a profit, making income, continuing to scale their business. So everyone wants to get it right. There isn't a box. There is no like how to do it exactly right. It's one of those things where it's really like what works for you, what works for your audience. And when people just try to mimic what they're seeing other people doing, it's not gonna work. Yeah, I think I especially see that. You can tell who has been getting sales and marketing advice from like bros. You know what I mean? Like traditional, like the marketing bros who have sold predominantly to men and have sold predominantly like in really old school, aggressive ways. And it's not that those things are wrong, but they probably aren't going to work the way they're intended when you take them and try to use them on your predominantly female, millennial, emotionally intelligent audience. Like it's just not going to have the same impact. So I can definitely tell when people like, yeah, they're trying to learn and they are learning from people who have had a lot of success. But again, they're like not reading the room and not applying context of the situation. But I love that women in business are becoming more and more and more visible because I genuinely believe that we are going to revolutionize the way people buy and sell. And it's going to be so much more empathetic and emotionally intelligent. And again, take another shot for as many times as I say emotionally intelligent in this episode. But I think like in most things, women are going to have a really great impact on just like the way we buy and sell. Oh, 100%. And I, I have been seeing a lot of shifts in the marketing industry, especially in the online space taking place over the past couple of months. And I'm really excited to continue to see them happening. And it really is shifting into a more personal relationship-based, value-centric foundation, as opposed to like, how can we make a million dollars this month? It doesn't matter if it's going to help them. We're just getting product out the door. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And I think really shifting away from that. And I'm giggling because I'm thinking about the like, YouTube ads that come up and I'm like going to watch YouTube and it's just some bro like sitting on a rented Lamborghini telling me like, this is what you need to do this. And I'm just like, okay, you have too much hair gel in your hair. That Lamborghini is rented. Just let's go. Let's pack it up. Pack it up. Time to go. <laughs> yep. We're close. Yeah, I totally hear you. And I've definitely been noticing shifts as well. And I just think like the more women learn how to sell and market to other women in ways that feel good, the more successful they'll be. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, if I'm not pushy and if I'm not doing it the way like CEO Chad does it, then it's not going to be effective. But if we like 
pave our own way as women, as we've had to do forever, we can be just as, if not more successful than all the bros who came before us. So I, 98% of my clientele are women, but I do have a few men who specifically have come to me because they're like, I can't stand the male copywriters that are out there. Like when they write something and send it back to me, I'm like, what is this? It just is gross. So I do think it's not just women who are tired of it. It's men because not to go off on another tangent, but I do think we're holding more space these days for men to be more in tune with their quote unquote feminine side, which I think it's awesome. We're seeing more men not wanting to be just so macho and bro-y and more embracing emotion and connection and vulnerability. So I do think it's like you said, women are going to have this big impact and hopefully it, it takes over. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, before we shift gears into more just like general entrepreneur things, do you have any favorite like marketing psychology or like conversion hacks that you want to drop on us before we go there? So I don't have a specific go to your sales page today and do this and it's going to increase conversions. I mean, I have a ton of like little things that you could do with your buttons and with your headers and stuff. But the biggest overall hack is be so unapologetically you that people are just, they just become obsessed and in love with who you are as a human. Consumers want to buy from people that they really, really like. So if you're only dropping content and emails and getting on stories to talk about your business, you're going to be losing out on a lot of people. But when you open up your life a little bit, especially with Instagram and email, and you let them know who you are when the office door closes, what your family life is like, what your hobbies are, what you're struggling with in general, people start to see you as a person, they start to connect with you. And then it just becomes a no brainer for when they need X services. And they know that you do, they're immediately going to be like, Oh my God, wait, I love this person. She's so funny. Let's go see if she has capacity. I see that in my own business when I stopped spending so much time talking about copywriting, because let's just be honest, nobody wants to listen to an Instagram story about copywriting. Very few people find it that interesting. It's not a sexy career. But when I get on there and talk about other things in my life and then compare it to business or copywriting or don't and just like share a super funny thing happening with my dog, I get so much more engagement and so many more people who then are like, obviously I'm coming to you for copywriting because I love who you are as a person. That's just overall in business. You're going to see a direct ROI. You might not be able to tell that it was direct ROI, like show proof, but I guarantee the more you start to be vulnerable and share like a personal side of your life, the more people are going to want to use you when they need your services. Yeah, I think being you and being willing to let people in a little bit, which that doesn't mean that you need to share everything doesn't mean you need to like unpack your childhood trauma on an Instagram live by any means. But like letting people into some areas of your life and letting them see you as a human being builds that level of like trust that you can't build just by educating people or giving them all the social proof or the all the other ways to build authority. So I totally, totally agree. And that kind of brings me to actually the next thing I wanted to talk about, because one thing I really admire about you is that you are just like 100% unapologetic about your values, your ethics, your beliefs, whether it's in copywriting and marketing or elsewhere. And you will shout them from the rooftops or into your Instagram stories or wherever else, knowing that like not everyone is going to agree with you. So I'm curious, is that something that has come naturally to you? Have you always been that way? Or has it been kind of an evolution? Yeah, so not to be mushy-gushy or do exactly what you just said, don't unpack your childhood trauma. But 
I grew up in a decently restrictive household where it was very clear what was and wasn't appropriate to talk about, what opinions were and were not considered morally correct. There was just like a very tight box around us as kids. And I never fit in it. I was constantly basically being told like, watch your mouth. You don't always need to share what you think. I think I got that comment daily. Like, we don't always need to share everything that's popping into our head. And it it was things that it's like, no, we should be talking about this. This is like something that can spark a good conversation. So I think I was always like that. That was kind of like the rebel side of me when I was a kid. And then now it's become a no brainer for me. I don't really think twice about it, mostly because Imagine how exhausting it would be if everyone did like you and you like felt the need to continue to keep everyone liking you. I think about, I say this to my friends now, my like true friend quota has been reached. It's full. It's complete. There's a wait list. Not really. That's a joke. But like, truly, we only have so much energy to dole out to others every day. And the same can be said for like being liked by the masses like that's not something you need to be putting your energy into at the end of the day the people who love you will love you and the people who don't will hopefully unfollow you or talk about you and give you free pr so yeah <laughs> i mean it's fine now do i think there is a line do i think there are some things that people argue are opinions that are really just like inappropriate and inconsiderate just for the sake of like stirring the pot or like being toxic or upsetting people Yeah, just beliefs about like equality and things like like when it comes to more political things. Yeah, like some things aren't opinions they are just like being decent human beings. But yeah, we don't we don't have to go there today. I I hear you. So yeah, I think it's just understanding that you are a human, you're going to have opinions, you should have opinions. Polarization, like being more polarized helps repel the people who don't aren't going to vibe with you and attract who are. So I think that has been one of the coolest things to happen on Instagram is seeing more and more people be unapologetically themselves. Yeah. I always say, and I'm sure if you're like an OG listener of the podcast, you've heard me say this 20 times, but I always say that if you're not showing up strongly enough to repel the wrong people, you're also not showing up strongly enough to attract the right people. Like being lukewarm, being vanilla, being a cookie cutter of someone else is not going to get you anywhere like no one's gonna be your super fan no, probably no one will like hate you either but you're not gonna get where you want to go and I can actually promise you that even if you try to make everyone happy you're still gonna get people that find some bone to pick with you because I've played that game like especially when I was on YouTube back in the day or just like early Instagram days when I was like in high school or early in college like I wasn't really sure what I stood for for the first several years probably of me being on social media. So I wanted people to like me and I wanted validation and like, I didn't really rock the boat at all. But like, there were still things that people didn't like about me. There were still things that people talk shit about. And that is honestly worse (laughs) being like, I'm not doing anything wrong, like whatever. And people still having issues with you. That's worse than like knowing, like standing up for yourself and knowing that it will put some people off and like owning that feels so much more empowered anyway. It's also a free and super easy way to weed out the people who are not for you and to let them know, don't even bother filling out an inquiry form. Don't even bother like coming to me with questions. It is so clear. I'm not your human. That's fine. I respect you. You respect me. Find a new service provider. For sure. And once I started doing that more, like I started getting more ideal clients, like more people that I really loved working with instead of the people who are like, I mean 
yeah, like it's worth my time. And like, it's like a good energy exchange in that regard. But like, I'm not jazzed about like hanging out with you on Zoom. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I also think it's cool that women are waking up to this because for so long, once again, there's been this unvoiced rule that women need to be more careful with what they say and more, you know, compassionate, empathetic, nice. And we can share an opinion, but not too much opinion. Whereas men get to be just whoever they want, say whatever they want. And that's just them being a strong, powerful leader. And so it is cool to see more women being like, wait a second, like I have ovaries and I want to do that too. So I love that. And I, I hope we continue to see that happening. For sure. So With that, I want to make sure that people leave this episode feeling like they can do something with this. So do you have any specific advice for fellow female entrepreneurs or just ambitious women, even if they don't have a business, on being courageous enough to just fully express themselves and whatever they stand for? Like, do you have any mindset shifts or specific things or thought patterns that you take yourself through about this stuff? Yeah. So something actually that my therapist has me do is play out scenarios as far as I can so that I take myself out of the current moment and say like, okay, so if we do that, what's going to happen tomorrow, a month from now, a year from now? So let's pretend you're sitting there thinking, "Hmm, maybe I should quiet myself, minimize myself, you know, just kind of stay here, play that out. Like, okay, so what are you going to feel tomorrow? You're going to feel boxed in. You're going to feel regretful that you didn't speak up about something. A year from now, you're still going to feel minimized. You're always going to question, what if, should I? You're going to feel like your power has been tainted a little bit. And if we take it all the way to you know, your deathbed, you're going to be sitting there not looking back on your life like, thank God I didn't speak up. Holy buckets, that was so great. You're going to be like, I was given a platform, I was given a voice, I was given an opinion, and I chose not to use it. And it feels shitty looking back because I lost a chance. So I think just recognizing all of the people that you can help, all of the people that you can reach, if you speak up and if you're courageous and if you're brave and you're vulnerable, and then just asking yourself, like, what benefits happen if I don't? And there's probably not gonna be any. And so hopefully being able to kind of play that out helps you realize like I'm fearful in the now, but that fear has no logic behind it. There's no reason to actually be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know what this says about me as a person, but I also like to take it the other way and like follow the spiral (laughs) and, and be like, okay, so I'm scared to fire this client or something like that. Like just something that's going to make me uncomfortable or I'm scared to stand up to this person or say this thing or whatever. And then I'm like, okay, well, what happens if I do? Like, what am I afraid of happening? I'm afraid that they're going to react poorly and then I'll have to deal with that. And then what's going to happen? And then what's going to happen? And pretty much every time, and I do this with my clients too, like pretty much every time the end result is just like, it's not the end of the world. I'm just going to have to like be uncomfortable for a moment and then everything's going to be fine. Like that's pretty much always the worst case scenario if you actually follow it all the way down to the spiral. There's also that quote, and I'm probably not going to get it exactly right, but it says like, if there comes a day where you have to choose between disappointing somebody else or disappointing yourself, I hope that you disappoint someone else. I know it's so cliche. It's been said a million ways, but we really, really get one life. And like, you have to prioritize yourself and your one life. You have to decide that I'm the star of this movie that I'm writing, that I'm pretty main character energy. Yes. (laughs) And, and just say like, 
this isn't working for me. And so I'm going to choose to do something else. What I choose might not work for somebody else, but that's their problem. They can figure that out in their movie. I'm going to just keep trucking along. One of my favorite things that I've adopted recently for things that like bother me or I'm worried about, or even like an existential crisis is just like, it's none of my business. It's just none of my business what they think. It's none of my business where we go after we die. It's just none of my business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It takes so much pressure to like figure things out, to know. I think naturally to want to go into journalism, you have to be an incredibly nosy person. You just have to. I like want to know everything. If there's anything to know about anything, I'm like, I need to know. I need to know. I, I talk to Evan all the time, like randomly I'll yell across the house. Like, do you think sharks sink when they're sleeping? And he's like, why are you asking that? I'm like, I don't know. I need to know. He's like, for what reason? Like, I don't know. Make jeopardy someday. I'm unclear on that. Just what is the answer. So I totally get what you're saying. Cause it just releases this pressure where it's like, I actually don't need to know that. This is none of my business. So yeah. For sure. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I feel like we could talk more about marketing and life lessons and being badass women indefinitely. But I want people who have now fallen in love with you to know where do they find you? How can they creep on you? How can they work with you? Get your templates, pimp yourself out. Love it. So Instagram is copy by Kaylee. Kaylee is spelled K-A-I-L-I. Websites, the same thing. Working together, I think we kind of touched on this in the beginning. I love, love, love all things sales copy. So sales pages, email funnels, web copy. But like don't book her because I need to be able to book her. So <laughs> so if you can't book like a one-on-one -on -one with me, I did just release a copy shop, which has been such a long time coming and so fun. So there are just some templates to help you with like a welcome sequence, sales sequence. There's nurture email ideas. There's a template in there that just helps you receive better feedback because what people don't think about is that your testimonials and reviews are part of your marketing plan, right? And if you don't know how to get those good testimonials out of people, it can be you're sitting there like this. When somebody says you were great, you're like, I'm not putting that on my website. Yeah, this giving is. me nothing. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much. Signed, Carla. So yeah, there's just some great templates on there. Can confirm. They are great. Yay. Oh my gosh. Marie helped me through some tech issues. It was a... It was just so relatable. I just really saw myself in that whole debacle. You know, we've all been there. You're sitting there like, this is going so well. And then you're yeah. like... I'm so there. ready for this. Yeah, you're like, I know something's going to happen. So it could have been so much worse, but yeah. Perfect. And because this is a Grinding Be Grateful podcast, I ask all of my guests, what is one thing that you're currently grinding for and working really hard for? And what is one thing you are hugely grateful for right now? So I am working really, really hard to take the month of December off for a client work from like one-on-one -on -one client work. I would love my partner, Evan. He is a coach for the Cardinals out here. And so during football season, we barely see each other. So to be able to take December off and to spend the little time he does have with him and see my family for Christmas and to like, I don't know, kind of enjoy a month with humans again would be incredible. So I'm working hard to do that. And I am super grateful that the world is kind of opening back up again. I was feeling myself kind of turtle. I'm a very extroverted person, but when I'm coming out of, you know, 2020, I was feeling very energy suck when I was around people. It was like really hard to want to physically go see someone. And so I'm starting to get my groove back and starting to like want to see friends again. And I'm really grateful for like, it just feels right now feels like a period of like a lot of possibilities and opportunity. And so I'm pumped about that. 
I feel that for sure. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with us today. I loved all the things we talked about. I think we have so much more that we could explore. So might have to have you back. But I hope that you guys go send Kaylee some love. Follow her on the gram. Tell her that you loved everything from this episode. 